Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. There is something utterly terrifying about the mysteries and the unknown, all within our national park system. But it's not just our national parks. Things are happening in these parks all over the world. Missing persons in the United States. Strange UFO and creature sightings down in South America. Even other countries of the world have their own bizarre stories and experiences. And in this video, I will be sharing with you all first-hand encounters from park rangers and hikers in the national park systems. Today's video focuses around Stormy. Stormy is a retired park ranger who worked at various national parks in the south, but primarily worked on and around the Appalachian Trails. These are her stories. My name is Stormy. I worked as a park ranger and helping with search and rescue for the better half of 10 years, from roughly 2004 all the way to 2014. And unlike a lot of your park ranger stories, I haven't had really any encounters at all with goblins, ghosts, or ghouls. However, I've had some pretty disturbing and unexplainable occurrences while I've been on duty all throughout the woods, specifically throughout the Appalachian Trail. Now, I should make note that I actually worked at at least three different national parks during my 10-year span, and while I've seen many strange and disturbing things, I'll go ahead and just start. It is my job to protect and to preserve the parks, and one of the very first strange occurrences that I can vividly remember was finding a human hand, a severed human hand nailed to a tree. I was out on my usual patrol when I saw something glinting in the sunlight. And so as I pulled over and got a closer look, I realized immediately that it was a hand, and specifically one that had a small knife etched into the center holding it into the tree, and each of the fingers was coiled back tightly against the tree with nails in each fingertip as if somebody wasn't satisfied with simply sticking the hand on the tree with a knife, they had to make sure that each fingertip was also against the tree via nail. As you would imagine, I was completely horrified by finding this and called for backup. When the police arrived and investigated, the area was searched, but there were no clues as to who the hand belonged to or why it was there. There was also no blood, nothing. But the hand was clearly severed, and as I remember, it looked like it was a clean cut. But there was no blood on the tree or anywhere on the ground. And I did not get up close enough to observe every little detail about it. That case, particularly, will remain a mystery to me to this day. Also, I should add that the hand looked relatively fresh. I would say no more than 12 hours old at most. And the next strange thing would happen, probably no more than three months later. I can recall that it was summertime, probably August, because the temperatures were scorching. I was doing one of my routine safety patrols on one of our back trails that isn't hiked as often when I came upon something I couldn't quite explain. Deer heads. Not just one, or two, or even three, but seven. Seven severed deer heads, specifically lined up each exactly one foot apart. They were all facing one direction and appeared to be relatively fresh. Similar to the severed hand I had found only a few months prior, there was no blood or any sign of trauma to the skull or head of the deer. They were doe, all seven of them, and it appeared that whoever had done this had also taken the liberty of taking the eyes out of all seven deer. 
the eyes were nowhere to be found, and all of the tongues were removed as well. You could see this quite easily as all of the mouths were left open. The heads were all facing east. Now, as you can imagine, I was pretty weirded out by finding this, but had just assumed maybe some lone, crazed outback hunter or something did this and set this up on the trail purposefully to freak somebody out. I didn't call for backup on this one. I simply just kicked all of the heads off into the woodline. And speaking of kicking the heads off into the woodline, about two weeks after this event, I had to come back to the same portion of the trail due to a severe windstorm we had in the area, and it was my responsibility to just make sure that there wasn't any brush obstructing the path or could be a potential safety liability. I noticed that the deer heads were gone, which could easily be explained by a predator or scavenger taking them, but what was weird is that while I was on that section of the trail, nearly two weeks after finding those heads, I had this horrible feeling in my gut. Not like I was being watched, like many of your stories talk about, but that something was really, really wrong, and I needed to leave now. But I had a job to do, and it was my duty to ensure the safety of any traveler going up and down this trail. So after a few hours of work and clearing some debris around the area, I decided to get out of there as quick as I can. And wouldn't you know it, once I left that particular area of the trail... The feeling subsided. And perhaps, in my opinion, easily one of the strangest things, or gosh, maybe the top five strangest things I've ever experienced while out being a ranger and dealing with the backcountry. Alright, so to set the stage real quick, I believe this occurred in early to mid-fall because I can vividly remember the leaves being all sorts of gold and red and yellows, so it was definitely October and it was cooling down. I can remember that I was also assigned to one of the more remote trails in the area because a portion of it had fallen into disrepair. Fast forward to the bizarre discovery, probably no more than 30 to 40 feet off the trail, completely visible, was a stump right off the trail. Now, sitting, or I should say resting by this stump, was the carcass of a large dog, probably a mastiff, maybe a Great Dane. It's hard to tell. I understand that this might be hard to hear if you're an animal lover or a dog lover like I was, so this was pretty difficult to find. I can say that fortunately, it did not look like anybody did any physical harm to this dog of any kind. I'm not exactly sure why the dog passed away, but something that really struck me as odd was the state of its decomposition. Usually, once something dies, it doesn't take long for the flies and maggots to get to it. But this dog had clearly been dead for quite a while in this position, and it wasn't exactly mummified, but it also wasn't completely decomposed either. It was still intact enough that I could tell it was a mastiff or Great Dane of some kind, judging by its size and bone structure alone, but the flesh was still on it, and it was still kind of leathery and dried. I'm sure its state of decomposition is completely explainable, but here's where it gets weird. In its mouth was a folded up piece of paper. The paper looked pretty old. I would say maybe a couple of months, but it's hard to tell, but it was clearly weathered. And after pulling the piece of paper that was neatly folded up into its mouth, it said this, in crude handwriting and black ink, eventually we all turned to dust. You can imagine my confusement as I sat there staring at this piece of paper 
trying to decipher what exactly this person meant, whoever wrote it, and why they decided to write this note anyway and stick it in this dead dog's mouth. Or is it possible that this dog was still alive and had found the note and it was carrying it somewhere? That's one of the ones that really sticks out to me. And I actually held on to that note for quite some time. Going back to the dog, I don't recall ever seeing a collar. So it's possible it was a wild dog or a feral dog. I'm not exactly sure. I didn't spend too much time looking over the carcass of it. A lot of my experiences out there were pretty similar to what I just described to you. However, I've had some close friends and other co-workers detail some pretty terrifying things. Things I never had the fortune or misfortune of encountering or experiencing. But before I tell you a little bit more about that, I will tell you one more story from my end. Well, we'll make that too. This one had occurred sometime in the summer or late spring, and I had already been a ranger for probably about three or four years at this point which puts us at roughly around 2006 or 2007. I can't remember which, but what I can tell you is that the story ended pretty bad for the people who were trying to pull this, what they considered a prank. Apparently, there was a group of, well, I call them kids, but they were in the young 20s. They stripped down almost completely naked, all of them wearing werewolf masks and chasing people in the woods with actual axes and swords. They were somehow able to elude us for almost 18 hours before being arrested and fortunately never injuring anybody, but I'm sure scaring the crap out of several hikers and employees like us. Oh, and of course, there was this one. Now, I'm just going to warn you now, it's gross. This didn't happen to me, but a close friend of mine. A man had been missing for about six or seven hours, and long story short, he was a well-known drug user, and apparently he had done a bunch of meth and went on a bender, and they had found him less than a mile off the trail, naked, squatting over his own feces, eating it. Not exactly scary, but completely disgusting. From what she had told me about him, he was pretty fried out, and I guess they had frequent issues with him bothering and pestering other residents of the National Park and causing problems. Now, this same friend, I want to say it was right around 2011-2012, is when she had a very terrifying experience with what she described to me as a bipedal wolf. Now, I can't exactly remember the details to how it happened, but from what I remember her telling me, she was part of a search and rescue of a hiker who had gone missing, which, by the way, was later found a few days after. And when she had got the call, she was actually near where the hiker was last seen, and she was also by herself, and it was evening time. And for whatever reason, she was on foot at this point. Now, from what she described, the station, our ranger station at the time, was roughly three and a half miles away down the trail walking distance. She's a pretty quick walker. It wouldn't have took her that long to get there, but she knew a quicker way to cut through some of the thick forest to get to the station, which would have dramatically cut down the time and length, taking it down to maybe a little over a mile. Her self-awareness and sense of direction were exceptionally well, and so this was no problem for her at all. She would shave off quite a bit of time and be able to make it back even quicker. Now, it was here that once she decided to take this shortcut through this not very well-known game trail, 
She said that she immediately felt off, and she knew all about my story with the severed hand and the severed deer heads, so she understands that there is such a thing as strange out here. And so I get her when she tells me that the feeling in her body immediately jumped into fight-or-flight mode. I remember she had told me she immediately thought that she was being hunted by a large mountain lion. So she did the best she could to try and make haste, but the terrain was a little rougher than she'd remembered. Obviously, with it being a game trail, it wasn't really maintained at all, and on some spots of the trail, the overgrowth was so much that it could dramatically slow you down, making it the worst possible scenario if you truly are being hunted by a large animal. So, sure enough, she describes getting about a quarter mile, maybe half a mile into this game trail, understanding that the entire time this is happening, she could hear something large following her in the wood line. But remember, she had already assumed it was a large mountain lion. But as she began to slow down because the overgrowth was getting too much, she began to listen more and more intently, and she could hear that this mountain lion was actually being really sneaky. And the more and more she listened, the more intent she listened, she discerned that whatever this was, was now moving on two legs and not four. Whatever this was, was now closing in on the distance between her and this animal. And apparently it had got close enough that she had actually had to fire a warning shot at it, even though she couldn't fully see it because it was covered up by the foliage of the forest. And in firing a warning shot at it, apparently she pissed this thing off because what she thought was a very aggressive, potentially starving mountain lion turned out to be something much worse. It did not take long for this predator to emerge from the trees and to reveal itself. Not fully, she claimed, but enough that she could see this was clearly no mountain lion in pursuit of her, but what she described as a bipedal timber wolf that she said from head to toe it looked like somebody in a wolf costume or simply a timber wolf that was standing up and walking very comfortably on two legs while its appearance wasn't exactly frightening except for the fact that it was a walking wolf she said it was the intelligence in its eyes that truly made her fear for her life she described locking eyes with this thing and having eye contact for probably three to five seconds. And in that short time, there was just this intelligence in its eyes far beyond our own understanding and reason. You know how when you look into an animal's eyes, you can just tell they're an animal. You can sense it. But when you look into a person's eyes, you can sense emotion. You can sense intelligence, thought, consciousness. It's as if the second they locked eyes, she just had this understanding that whatever animal this was, the only intent it had was to hurt her, and it made that very clear with its body language. As she neared the end of the game trail and had to go around a large bend in the path, this thing was apparently trying to flank her, and she had described to me it reaching its hand out trying to grab onto me. But she shot at it again, and it sounds like she hit it directly because it let out this horrendous scream unlike anything she'd ever heard. Using the time in which this bullet bought her, she was able to safely and successfully make it back to the station 
to which she didn't tell a soul about what had happened and decided to keep it to herself. Apparently, none of her superiors or other rangers had asked her about the experience or what had just happened or the source of the gunshot, which she thought was very odd, considering they were in the middle of or at least getting ready to do a full-on search and rescue, but she says she counts her blessings. That's about the only time I'd ever heard from friends or other colleagues remotely anything dealing with what your YouTube channel covers. And so, as I got to watching some of your videos, her story immediately came back in my memory, and I thought to myself, I gotta tell him this story. But as for me, like I told you, it's just a bunch of strange things that I could probably explain away, but like I addressed at the beginning of this email, I myself had never had any sightings or encounters with things that go bump in the night. Crazy people, sure, or things that I can't quite explain immediately, yes, but I've never had any UFO encounters, never seen a Bigfoot, and I don't really believe in that stuff, but obviously my friend's story really makes me second guess, and I don't doubt she experienced, but I myself have no answers to her sighting and story. She's a very honest person, she has no incentive to make this up, and is not looking for glorification or fame or anything. In fact, she wants any of her personal information written in this email not told if you decide to use my story. And she's not a rookie by any means. She's been in numerous life-threatening situations with wild animals like bear, and her claim is that this one particular situation was one that really made her feel like she could have possibly died right then and there. And I know it really scared her because as she retold me the story, I could hear the fear in her voice, the anticipation of getting to the worst part. For me, it was the way and the emotion in her voice as she told me this story is what stuck with me more than the words she spoke. You could choose to believe it or not. It doesn't really make a difference to me. I just thought that you and your viewers would love to hear it. I appreciate everything you do, and I wish your audience and anyone who listens a blessed day. Thank you very much. And most importantly, what do you guys think? Did Stormy's friend really run in with a creature she could not comprehend? Or was this all somehow a possible misidentification on her end, and maybe her adrenaline caused her to see something that wasn't really there? Be sure to let me know what you think in the comments down below. As always, I would love to hear from you. And if you guys are new to the channel, be sure to go ahead and slap that subscribe and like button for more content similar to this. As always, I love you all. Keep an open mind, and I'll check you guys out back on camera in another episode.